space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life, a new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim. With me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And joining us for the season finale, mid-season finale, mid-season. It's the mid-season, not the end of the seasons. Nothing about this episode to imply it was meant to be a season finale of Prodigy. <laughs> Doctor Squee. We've probably got six months until there's any more. <laughs> yeah, but it is in no way a season finale. It is the mid-season finale. Season one is 20 episodes long, and this is just the end of the second batch of episodes. Call it what you will. What a satisfying like little story yeah. they put into these. It's uh, all six, only six episodes, did you just say? Ten we've had. We've had ten, ten we've had. I was going to say that that seemed like more, but in a glorious way. How good's this been? Yeah, really good. good. It, it's been so consistent. Yeah. Yeah. I'd go with that. It's you see, we say this every time with a new Trek show, but new Trek for all the people who who hate it and whatnot, you can't deny it has had better season ones. Generally, obviously, I'm excluding the original series from this statement, but the season ones are generally better than '90s Trek season ones. Yeah, it's consistency. The consistency of Prodigy, yeah. particularly, I'd actually even single it out amongst new trek i think it's one of the most consistent first season half seasons whatever you call them yet that we've had of star trek yet yeah. i'm just gonna say it yeah. no. to say that the well to say that they've said that in the future all the trek seasons are going to be 10 episodes long Do you know what and i that, don't mind that i'd have been quite happy for them to say this is the end of season one in six months we'll have season two no problem. Why did he have to say it's mid-season and <laughs> 10 episodes and no six months or whatever it is until you get the next 10? <laughs> Do you know what? As long as they take their time in between, because, again, let's face it, with those longer series of Star Trek, there's always a few episodes mm-hmm. where you're going, oh, okay, we got to this one. Like, I'm doing a rewatch of DS9. And actually, you you do get surprised by which ones you think you're going to slog through and they turn out to be better than you remember mm-hmm. and which ones you do slog through, which you thought were better. But... There's, there's always the episodes where you're like, oh, yeah. There is. And Meridian. Mm-hmm. Oh, not Meridian. Well, we did Meridian, we um, Meridian. a few yeah. months ago. Not great. Um, but, yeah, it's, I think, the thing is, we used to have, you know, back in the day, back in the 90s, there were, so TNG and DS9 running parallel or DS9 and Voyager running parallel. So we were getting 52 episodes of Star Trek a year, but it was only across two shows and pumping out 20 episodes a season, and they largely shared the same writers' rooms and things like that. So I think there was a lot of burnout going on, but the plan for this, the Paramount Plus Star Trek show, seems to be that we're going to have 50 episodes of Star Trek a year, but that's going to be across four or five different shows with different writers' rooms, different showrunners, different styles. You know, we've got one that's an animated comedy, one that's an animated kids' show. We've got... Live well, action ones doing different things, and we've got about three timelines running at the moment. Yeah, and hopefully, and, and I want to see them cross. Oh, I do. Cross as well. But, um, but hopefully, what it'll mean is that the consistency will stay there for the individual shows, which will mean that we'll get great Star Trek all year round. Which, yeah, 
I'm just saying before Picard, because they've they've confirmed it's just three seasons as they kind of indicate to begin with. Well, they said that at the start. Like people are going absolutely people are going absolutely mental on the internet. Why why is it finishing after three seasons? But you said when it first started. When it was just very saying. first announced, it was three seasons. I, what I is know, the surprise? I know. That's what I'm saying. I said, as they said since they began. You're, you're arguing against what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is... No, I'm arguing against what the internet's done this last I'm, week or so. I'm praying using the Star Trek prayer, prayer symbol. But please, dear God, before it ends, get get Picard to do some of the other show. Just just get him, like, throw him a shitload of money just well, to appear in one episode of Discovery. Come on. That would be good. Time travel, Malarkey. Yeah, yeah, we... You, Get him into discovery time travel. I'll keep you on a when like I still hold because they're saying now that there's we're getting section thirty one and Starfleet Academy. Section thirty one's going to be Giorgio and come back in time. Section thirty one's going to be Tilly. That's a no. It's they're both no brainers. What's mm-hmm. happening there? When discovery ends, they've said the move. There's a movie coming out. Do the crossover movie. Yeah, oh, man, I yeah. want to see the movie be the big well, crossover. Well, they've, they've said, haven't they, like, the characters for Lower Decks, the animation is to look like the actual actors who play it. Yeah. So there is no reason that they couldn't come into a live action. Yeah, and, and even do, like, yeah, okay, we want the big crossover. We want that when where they're all in one place. But even without that, you can even do one that what they've done on some of the other shows where they've got multiple shows of just having a storyline cross the kind of through them. Oh, yeah. So you get one one baddie or one thing which happens throughout time. Like Maybe led to, by Q is a pretty easy one to yeah, do. Yeah, like they used to do with the novels. They did the invasion novels, and that was the first mm. like novel crossover. And it it was all four series at the time. So Voyager had just come out and the first one was a TOS novel and they ran into these aliens and then the aliens were dormant for another hundred years and then they came back and TNG and DS9 and Voyager had to deal with them. So yeah, something like that would be cool. But yeah, big crossover film. Room for everyone. We'll have Pike, Picard, Michael Burnham, uh, Mariner, you know, all of them, all of them, all the crew and the prodigy, everyone, all three Spider-Mans. And you know what? Yeah, we, we can, and on their way through, they stop up at, off at Deep Space Nine. Yeah, yeah, and just throw, throw everything at the wall. You know I don't what? Care. Just get all the Trek in one place. And you know what? Star Trek will even make room to have Boba Fett in it. Bo- Boba <laughs> well, Fett Boba can Fett appear. Made room to have Boba Fett exactly. In it this week. Oh well, don't tell me <laughs> I watched it yet. Yeah, even Boba Fett prefers Mandalorian that, now. That's it. <laughs> so Boba Fett can come to Star Trek. We feel like he's not getting enough love, so he's he's welcome here. Okay, anyway. but he has to put the suit on. Oh, yeah. I'm sick and tired of seeing him. I don't Got know if you suit. heard of the third series that they're on about bringing out. And it's Akiva Goldsmith wants to go and produce. And it's an anthology. Oh, yeah, I have They'll literally that. do one episode and he's sort of gone, yeah, we'll have an hour of Sulu. We'll get George to care back yeah. for an episode. We'll have a Captain Archer That episode. is a brilliant And we'll idea. just look at, we'll have an hour to sort of look at how the story ended. Yeah, just pick and choose, pick characters up here and there, and you know, throw some random ones in, like let's have get Ashley Judd back as Robin Leffler for an episode and find out <laughs> you know, find, find out what she's been doing. I mean, also, find out what Ashley Judd's been doing. Not seen her in a while. Um, 
So yeah. wow, that's a pull. That's a pull. You, I think you're the only one in this day and age calling out for a Robin episode. Robin yeah, Leffler. No, but, but Ashley Judd Robin was Leffler. was a massive star at one point. She was in like yeah. every thriller in the nineties, and then she just yeah. vanished. Um, but so yeah, bring her back. Let's find out. And again, new frontier books. Robin Leffler's a big character in them. So um, yeah, she gets up to all sorts. Bless her. Anyway, uh, moral star part two then. The finale, mid-season finale, whatever you want to call it, of Prodigy. And, yeah, picks up right where we left off, because I think this was all one episode that they've just arbitrarily split in two, but what do I know? No, because the whole series has been 20-odd 20 20-odd minutes long per episode, and this is nearly 50 minutes in total, yeah. so it is two parts. I think it was well, made, made as... It as one, they've made it as one long episode. That's what I think Which happened. is what we talked about with Voyager last yeah. week, how Voyager did that. But the point seasons. where they split it is really well done. I don't think it's a it's a natural split, I will say. See, I didn't think so. I just thought it just no? seemed to just end. Like, no, it, it didn't we feel... We thought it should have ended sort of 30 seconds a minute earlier when they were sort of still screaming going up in the air. Oh, okay. And all that. That. that was your ideal cut-off point where it ends where the disaster's been. I mean, I, I just want to say that I, I know you covered the first part last week, I won't go into it too much, but just, it's that moment when they change into uniforms and you get Janeway in the uniform. Yeah, that was and cool. Just, oh, so satisfying. Sorry, I just quickly wanted to give a shout out to that. I know you've already covered it, but just... No, just, it was great. Oh, so great. And they get their own little new uniform. That's cool. Yeah, they do. And yeah. um, so, yeah, which more cosplay, more cosplay opportunities, everyone. Yeah. If we, if we ever have, it. If we ever oh, have sorry, a we already coming as Janeway. I won't then. Yeah, well, we can all come as different Janeways now. There's no, three is in it this Michelle episode. Michelle who dresses as um, evil Janeway. <laughs> yes, I think it is. Um, so, yeah, the Diviner realises what's going on. They've only nicked the Protostar. So, well, they, they've nicked the actual Protostar from the Proto Drive, which is in the ship, the Protostar. They've Proto-Star. nicked the Protostar car. <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, so, the Diviner's heading back, and there's a really... I love the moment where um, Dal floats up to the two miners and they go, oh, we can understand. And one of them starts confessing the love to the other one. Yeah, and Dal's just awful. like, come on, Don't guys. Think this was really brave to have um, sort of gay love professed because it's obviously two males in a kid's show. Yeah, that, it's that, this, is, that this is fine. And it wasn't telegraphed. It was just there. It, it was just like, there. Oh, look what and, we're doing. And Dal just goes, and all Dal says is, this is great, but we're too busy yeah, for that. Yeah, we haven't got time. <laughs> we, we need to get and this done first. Also, I, I agree. Also, I interspecies as well. So one of them had four arms, but... Yeah. And, yeah. And you, you, one had one a, eye. <laughs> and I really felt like in a comedy moment, you there was something just so profound about like these people. They've been put to work. They've been cut off from being able to talk to one another. Mm. Uh, it's like straight out of the Bible with the Tower of Babel, really. Yeah, but yeah. It, it, but it's been used to evil to, against them. And that moment when they can talk to each other, I actually thought it's it was a profound moment kind of nicely underplayed. I like yeah, that. And is, again, as you say, lovely. and they also introduce a, um, a, a very quick gay storyline uh, yeah. just in a moment. Great. But it, it didn't go... It, we don't, didn't hear anything else about it, but that don't, it just yeah. was what it was. Yeah, exactly. And if anything, like, and I may be reading like more into this than is there, but the fact that you can do a joke like this with a same-sex couple, it, there's something 
even bigger about that, the fact that not only is it so normalised, but we can use it to set up a joke, but it is not a joke at the expense of their sexuality in any way, yeah. shape or form. It It's just a joke that could have been delivered by it any... It was well done. Could have been done by any couple in that circumstance. You know, that is, in its own way, very progressive. And what's great about that is kids watch this and they accept it. So there you go, job done. Um, hopefully job done, but um, we'll see. Um, yeah, so... Nice moment for Rock as well, because obviously we had the other week where Rock learned all these skills and was, I don't want to be the security guard. And you get that scene where it starts off, you guard the door because you're big. And yeah, I'll you do hold this. the door. Because <laughs> I'm the engineer. And then it's, no, actually, you're better at this. I'll hold the door. Yeah, yeah he's sort of like, he's looking at it and Rock's, how's staring at it fixing it? <laughs> Well, have you got a better idea? And then you get all the techno, the Star Trek techno babble. Yeah. It felt like a payoff to the fact that they got stuck in that um, time loop mm. and she learned all that stuff. Yeah. So she was, well, that's it. it I love yeah. it. I love it when they pay off. Yeah. The, when they place things like that and you don't think anything of it, it's just, it's a sweet story about how she, like the, the one of us who struggles the most can learn over time. Like they might just need a little time, doesn't mean they're not worthy. Yeah. And that seemed like a beautiful moment. And then to have that payoff to this episode as well was just... Yeah, it was he, great. Again, the, genius. The only worry I have with this, and I thought this when they did the time episode with Rock learning all this stuff, is where does Jankum fit now? Because Rock seems to have all the skills that Jankum has. So it's... it's better. Right, exactly. So where, where does Jankum now fit? And maybe that's something that will be explored in the future. Like, what else can Jankum do? Yeah. Like, he, he's always been fixing things because he's needed to while he's been on the mining planet. But maybe he's actually good at something else, and maybe that's what we'll, what we'll get. But it, it, it does it does worry me a little bit that, okay, his, his function now... Yeah, you've now, Rock into Jankum's place. Yeah, but... Um, I will absolutely give them the benefit of the doubt that but, they're probably well, going to do something really interesting. But we said this yeah. a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? And I think there's that they are doing this with the characters, and they're doing them. They seem to be doing them one, one by one, yeah. fitting them into the role. Like Dal is staying as the captain, but he had to become the captain in Kobayashi Maru. Yeah, yeah. You've obviously got Rock now. He's becoming the engineer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it also... But there's a story behind them all of how they get into this. Yeah, and it feels like uh, if you go for um, 60s Star Trek as well as the 60s animated series, but even if you just go for the uh, straight-up show, even though it's so progressive in so many ways, I think sometimes they went route one with their ideas of like, um, you know, this is a big person, so they'll be security guard. I think oh, that yeah. would be more... Whereas this is just an evolution on the idea. Just because you're big and you're... Everyone thinks you've got to be this thing. Doesn't mean you've got to be. Doesn't mean you, you have be to what be. You, you want to be. And it's just, again, it's just lovely. Yeah. I'm just worried about Jankum. I just want him to find something yeah. that he can yeah. be as well. I think he will. Somebody's nicked his job. But anyway. I think the show's going in a really good direction. I think it is. I it think, won't forget things like this. Yeah, I think they've definitely no. got clear ideas of where these characters are going. It also shows that they're not, uh, they don't feel like they've got to put everything out in one episode, what, one half a series, yeah. they can take their time. Like, I, you know, I, look, I wonder if getting 20 episodes if they're calling it season one, because it won't be till the end of the 20 episodes. 
where they'll all actually be in the positions as crew members yeah. as what they really do. It might not be till the end of that that we actually find out what the show's going to be going forward. You know, we, we've had one season now, of, or one half season or whatever, of it like this, but what what is this going to be as an ongoing concern? Is it going to be something maybe a little bit different? I think we'll talk about that a bit when we get to the end of this episode. I was going to say, I feel like, because it's like this was... It's both a contained story, but it also you can see how it'd be the first half of a story. Yeah. But like the oh, half of the story, it's like two chapters it, in a it's kind like of like it's film. bringing one story arc to an end, mm-hmm. but it's starting another at the same time. Yeah, and yeah. put together they make a bigger story, but they're yeah. two different which is, parts. Which is what I think good good TV does these days. Like I always go back to the I think the model for a lot of how we do television now was established with shows like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where each season had its own arc that had a beginning, middle and an end, but it wasn't the end of the show. There were there were still threads that you could pick up later on and develop yeah. further. And I think a lot of shows, like taking, for example, like the Arrowverse shows, they tend to work to that. Like they introduce a new villain for each season and... You wrap that up, but there's still things. So, yeah, I feel like the, this half season has been the crew comes together and then we're going to find out what happens later. Um, the Miners chinning Dreadnought is good. I'm glad that the Miners got a bit of revenge. I'm glad the yeah. cat person is okay. That was what we were really worried about was the the little cute cat. Well, the little girl okay, is the one who finishes Dreadnought off. Exactly. Yeah, with a yeah, a bit vicious. Yeah, claws come out. <laughs> and, and this is what, like, it's this is what it almost feels like. This whole series of building up to. They start from this position where they're enslaved here. They go off their adventure with the the ship. They come back mm-hmm. and then they liberate this place, which held them prisoner. It's like it's not enough just for them to be free. They've got to free others, free and that's what makes the, that's what makes the difference between them being <laughs> plucky chances and them being starfleet. Yeah, and this illustrates how far they've come so well. And they just to go to the visuals for a minute of when when the cat's claws do come out and she slashes, it's a very sort of anime style effect that they use where the screen goes black and you just see the yeah. the slashes across the camera. So that's that's really nice that they're bringing in. Oh look, you know, we, we've established our visual style, but this is animation and we can have a little bit of fun with that now and yeah. again and bring yeah, something there's else lots, in. There's lots of styles of animation and yeah. let's not be scared. And, you, yeah, and let's make the most get... of the format we're in. Exactly. You know, like, we are a cartoon, let's behave like a cartoon. Something yeah. Or, sorry, an animation, I should say. And yeah, so I love that, that they, they brought in a little bit of um, a different influence to the animation for that moment. So, yeah, shall we talk about then? We we finally get the Diviner's backstory. And we've talked about this in previous weeks that we thought he, he was going to be doing something that at least he felt was altruistic in some way. Uh, and we, we, we do kind of find that out. And my we own... get the reveal here, don't we, as well, that Janeway isn't Janeway. Really evil. Janeway. Yeah, Janeway is an evil Janeway. Oh, that was lovely. And I also thought, like, it's, it's nice that, um, yeah, he is warped and bitter by his experience of the past, but it shows, like, he came from somewhere. There's not there's a reason for that bitterness. Yeah. It's not just a cartoon evil. And yeah. uh, I forget his first name, but Noble, uh, who plays John him, Noble. Um, John Noble. John Noble. Such a great actor, such a rich voice for this part. Mm. It's, it's so perfectly cast. 
But I just love the fact that, yeah, as you say, he's not just evil for no, no reason. There's... The Federation are destined to kill his planet. That's a pretty good motive yeah. for them to wipe them out. And that does. Well, now, do we think it's, um, let's look at and things that are coming up later in this episode. Do we think that somebody who has very little regard for the Prime Directive, except when she's telling <laughs> other people to follow it, might have a, anything to do with this. <laughs> you think Janeway's going to cause it? Janeway's going <laughs> to... No, I, you see, this is where you get your chance for a crossover because who always wants to do first contact but it doesn't always go that well? The crew of the Cerritos could be the crew that actually yeah. meets the diviner <laughs> species and makes a bit of a hash of it. But I, I do think this raises this bigger idea that in Star Trek, so often, we assume that the Federation makes contact with the species and it's happily ever after after that. And this presents an idea of, well, no, they went to this planet and it caused a civil war because some people wanted to be part of the Federation and some people didn't. And that, that raises this really interesting idea of, all right, yeah, how would a society react to that? And not everybody is going to like it. In all fairness, Voyager did do that first. They had Friendship One, the whole idea that oh, a sorry, probe yes. which was sent out with yeah. uh, messages from Earth caused a planet to, to kill itself, basically, because they saw what they could do with this information. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's a riff on that, isn't it? And it, I find that really interesting. And, yeah, the Diviner... Yeah, okay, it's kind of got a point. The the only thing I didn't like about it, the backstory, even though it probably explains some of the timeline issues we've had this season, is that we lent on time travel again. I just feel like, I know it's a sci-fi trope, and I know it. we've done a whole bloody series on Star Trek's time travel. <laughs> we did that for months and months. But I just feel like Discovery Season 2 was all about time travel. We've had the Guardian of Forever in Discovery. Picard season two looks like it's going to be all about time travel. I just feel like, are we maybe hitting time travel a bit too much recently? Can I just give the the counter-argument to that, Jim? Yeah, absolutely. I'd just like to postulate against that wonderful, well-eloquently put argument, shut your face, I love time travel. I love Doctor Who, I love Star Trek when it does time travel. More time travel. No, I love time travel. (laughs) I I like time travel, but... (laughs) <laughs> All three shows revolving around time travel. It's, yep. I mean, this one, to be fair, <laughs> it, it, it's just one character, but it's a big reveal, yeah. and so you come away from it going, oh, time travel again is the big reveal, and I just think maybe we need to dial it down a little bit for a couple of years so that next time we do time travel, we go, oh, wow, time travel. We haven't done this in a while. Or have yeah, we? Time me why, Nick. We might have done. I, I just love time travel. I do, I do too. I'm... I'm <laughs> Do you know what? One thing, no, genuinely, joking aside, the one thing I will actually argue, which is really good the way they've done it, is that they've all used kind of different ideas with time travel. Oh, yeah, yeah. Discovery goes to the future. That's like a huge, like, it's the first time we've seen a really new kind of look for Star Trek, which generally feels faithful. I think it's a bit, sometimes their color palette's a bit bland. I don't Mm. like that. Yeah. Generally, it feels like Star Trek, but in a new era, which I like. With Picard, you're going back in time, so you know we'll see what they do with that. Mm-hmm. With uh, Discovery, oh sorry, with um, Prodigy, I love the idea that, that the Federation's best efforts will go awry, and how do they avoid that? And will this plucky group of interstellar travelers, this young group of uh, upstarts, will they, after their adventures, show Starfleet 
what Starfleet means when it maybe has lost its way. Mm. That would be a really... Will, that, will, will, Prodi will Prodigy, in the end, be about actually saving Gwen's planet from this ever happening? I think it could be. Will Gwen become the leader of that planet? And she will be able to show them why Starfleet's better. We, you know, it, we can do all that, and it, it it can be wonderful. It's just, I do. It, it is just I bristle a little bit when I'm like, oh yes, time travel again. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But, but I'm just a sack of time travel. I but can't yeah, no, it, each <laughs> one taken in isolation, great. They've done it well, and yeah. like you say, they've done it differently. It's just it kind of builds and builds and builds. Anyway, I've said my piece, so. Um, what I do like is the final confrontation with the Diviner, and there's a lovely sort of poetic, uh, poetic now, aspect to the fact that it's be zero. Before who... this, when Dal beams over mm -hmm. and he asks him what is his plan, and he says, I, I don't know yet, I'll tell you when I've got one. Yeah, Captain Kirk says that in one of them, and I can't remember which oh. episode or movie it's from. Mm. And I've been trying to search it. I've been reading through. Is he? I can't remember. Yeah, I'm sure he says it in one of them, and he goes. I'm sure it's not the movie. Do you think in the movies? I'm not sure. I don't. I don't remember in the movies. In the movies, just because there's less of them, and yeah, I I, I end up watching sure the movies more. I'm often. sure it's Captain Kirk. It sounds like the same thing Kirk could say. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'd be surprised if it's from the movies. As I say, just you turn. Yeah. You usually end up watching those a bit more. Yeah. Because it's a limited run. Um. So it may be in the series, though. Yeah. yeah. I, I, if anybody listening fun. knows which episode it's from or where it's yeah. from, but I do know it's a Star Trek quote, and I just yeah. can't think which it does sound very, very it's from. Very Kirk-esque, definitely. The thing it makes me think of is like, uh, so you're from space. Not only working out of space, I'm actually, <laughs> yeah, I'm actually from, from Iowa. Iowa. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So the, the confrontation when then with the Diviner, there is... Uh, a poetic justice to it being zero because the Divani used zero to as a weapon essentially, and so zero's like takes that back. And then I love what's going on with Gwyn because, like Dal says, don't look at it. Look at me, which is very Indiana Jones, you know, when they open the the arc and everything. But yeah. what I loved about it is Gwyn's eyes are drawn not to Dal but to the Starfleet emblem that he's wearing, and I thought. At first, I was like, wow, what a moment that Gwyn, when she needs something to focus on and something to believe in, effectively, she's drawn to Starfleet. And I thought, wow, that's incredible. But then it, it twists the knife with it. And it's like she's looked at that symbol for sort of solace in that moment. But in a way, it betrays her because it, it reflects um, zero to her. And that's what causes her to well we we find out later she loses a memory of the particular plot point which would be useful had she not forgotten which is a bit of a bugger but oh. it happens are we up to the moment where she kind of has her accident yeah well, we've had the we've had the diviners done the reveal that mm. he's actually made the protostar into some sort of weapon to attack the Fed federation it, to me and, that moment sorry and I, I'm just trying to think what he's done because it's obviously not a straight-up thing. It's some sort of virus. He's yeah, he's be. done something so it'll it'll corrupt other ships and turn them all on now, each other. Yeah. That would be interesting to pay off. Well... I mean, I, I was just going to touch on the moment, though. For me, it's when you think Dal's died. And genuinely, I was actually... I was questioning for a second. 
are they going to come? Is the new is the little cat person going to be our new crew member? Like, you know, <laughs> are they really going here? There was actually a second where I believed it, and I never on the on the real series, or not real series. Sorry, I should I take that back. That was that was the wrong thing. You know what I mean? But the yeah, um, the live action thing. shows, the live action shows, unless it's pretty well telegraphed, uh, I don't always see. Like you know, usually you think that the the regular crew members, you know, they're going to be healed up by the end of the episode. Yeah. they're going to be fine. This moment really played for me. Mm. I really, for a second, I was like, "Are they actually saying she's dead? Are they really?" And then they just reveal in a minute that, that she's okay. But no, it worked. I it, thought that was actually really well played. It really worked. It definitely did. Yeah. I mean, as you say, there are telltale signs in the live action show. For example, if one of the crew in Discovery gets more lines than usual in an episode, they're probably going to die really. by the end of it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, if you hear anything about their backstory, oh dear. Yeah, that's you done. Like that episode this season where um, Reese was like, oh, I'm, you know, on my home world, we used to get bad tornadoes. Yeah, You're we like, were convinced done. he was that's dying. It. So yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I sent to Nicola was going, it's like, oh God, that's not looking good for Reese. So, so this idea then of if the protostar now gets close to another Federation ship, it will corrupt it and eventually that will destroy Starfleet. One, now, oh, oh, has the spoiler embargo lifted sufficiently? Hmm. Okay. Well, yeah. You could just, spoilers, uh, spoilers, spoilers. We're right, about so, spoilers. Yeah, but I don't Tune off now if you, you don't want spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Spoiler spoilers. alert for a recent film. Recent-ish. Oh. So, oh, I uh, thought you meant about Star Trek. No, 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 this, this is a spoiler for a recent film. Have you both seen the new Bond film? Yeah. No, that's not a recent film. It's recent. That was out last year. Yeah, so... We were all still locked up at home when we could watch that. Yeah. It's been out so long, it's entitled Plenty of Time to Die By. Okay, fair enough. So, at the end of the new Bond film, something happens to James Bond that means he will not... He cannot physically get close to his loved ones, which puts him in a dilemma. And I feel this is very similar to that, because it's like you can't go back to Starfleet now because you will destroy them just by being near to them. And I wonder if this is how this crew ends up keeping this ship because maybe they'll try. We can't get it out of the system. There's no way you can ever go back to the Federation. You've earned it now. You you two, you can spread the Federation ideas far and wide using your proto-drive, which can take you to places we can't reach but you cannot come back home. And I, I'm wondering yeah. if that's going to be the setup for season two onwards. And then yeah. that puts a different twist on this final scene where we get real Janeway. Because... Yeah, um, uh, sorry, go no, on. no, go. No, no, all I was going to say was, the only reason why I don't want that to happen, because that's a beautiful idea, I really love that, but I kind of want what Elliot mentioned a couple of episodes ago when I was last on, of Janeway versus hologram Janeway. Yeah, yeah. No, I do. I definitely. I, I want well, that too much. That's got to happen somehow. I, Even if she has to beam her hologram because the ship can't come close well, we enough. We can do like, that. Have, yeah. Have we got any theories on the, the USS Prometheus? The Prometheus. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, um, be, wasn't the, I, I did well, think in the Voyager, parallels are there. Wasn't that well, the one in Voyager, that could play in the three? No, in a. Um, Oh, what is it? Um, I was thinking Next Generation, isn't it? From no, it's the, the uh, end of season three, season three finale. Oh, it's, no, sorry, season four finale. And it's the one where they um, come across the alien who's 
made his ship look like a Federation ship. Of course, I'm thinking of Pegasus. Drive. Yeah. And it's just X01A, which isn't the number of this ship. This is the NCC 80. Yeah. I can't remember the rest of it. Yeah, because I was thinking the but Pegasus. I, I was, I've been thinking about this all week. <laughs> and it's how Janeway's got the USS Prometheus because she can't have this. It can't be the US Prometheus that she came across. But I want, I think that they've got all the scans because it looks very similar as well. All right. So you're saying this is a ship based on the guy's made up ship? Yeah, I think okay. it's when Voyager's got home, they've used all the scans and the technology they've picked up to make this ship. And I bet Jim. Or could it be the other way around? They, they somehow got blueprints of this ship. He got blueprints, yeah. I reckon. Well, they did do they did massive scans, didn't they? And they even built a slipstream drive at one point. Yeah. If that no, theory is right, Elliot, I think Jane Whaler tried to palm that off as her own work when she got back. Like, well, while we've been away, I've designed this new ship. <laughs> I kind of like the idea. You've accidentally got me thinking about another theory because the one ship that keeps on making me think of, and you said Prometheus, I was thinking the Pegasus, the one which Riker, uh, like, driving into an asteroid, basically. I think I've always thought that that kind of had some antecedent. Like since we've been talking about the uh, protostar, it seems the same sort of um, experimental school. I wonder if the kind of uh, the protostar is some sort of ancestor of that ship. Mm. I think that'd be kind of a cool tie-in because they're both kind of experimental ships. Both yeah. play about with what a starship can do. And this is how you bring in the Section Thirty-One crossover now, because yeah, who designed the protostar, Georgia? You know, you can bring all this in. Um, so, yeah, real Janeway at the end then. What I took from that, uh, apart from the fact that it's just cool having real Janeway there, um, they're still looking for Chakotay. So Chakotay, it seems like he's not turned up. So yeah. has the Diviner stashed him away somewhere? You maybe, know, maybe that's the other reason why they stay in the quadrant. You know, they, they don't return home. It's because they're on the hunt for, for Chakotay. Maybe. So, you well, know what? Like, I that's don't... the only ship which can cross that far that quickly. Because we postulated about the distance it can travel mm-hmm. and the fact that it's in the... Is it Delta Quadrant? It's back in the Delta Quadrant now. It's back it's in, in the Delta, Delta Quadrant. Quadrant. And it started in the Gamma? No, they started, no, it in, started the in the Delta. It went, went to, to the, the gamma, gamma. Now it's back in the Delta. Yeah, so it can cross between quadrants, which does suggest it's the fastest ship we've ever seen. So maybe that's the reason they've got to go out maybe. there, because no other starship can get out there in time. Yeah, well, Janeway said that she was about three months away, did she, mm-hmm. in the quantum slipstream? Something like that, yeah. You, you which know... puts it at the same distance, which puts it, I was doing the maths on this, at 50 years away from Earth at Voyager speed. Mm-hmm. Because by the end of season four... They've, they've taken about um, 20 years off. Yeah. Because Kessa's already thrown them 10 years and yeah, the Borg yeah. took them so far and the catapult thing that they had, I think that was before. They got a lot of, like... <laughs> like, uh, So the Quantum Slipstream can do about 50,000 light years in three months. Right. But the Protostar can do it sort of in probably three hours. Right. Okay, so Protostar, better than Quantum Slipstream, better yeah, than and better Voyager. than Trans- Transwarp. Yeah. Right, okay. I, I'm guessing there'll be something to do with the speed the ship can do. I'm sure that'll come in. It, it has to keep out there. But you know yeah, what? Yeah, 
there will always be an excuse why those guys stay on there. Just I well, think it's going to be the they they said can't it up already. Have the the protostar can't go. Can't, they can't go back to the Federation, or they'll destroy the Federation. So that's not going to happen. Because that doesn't happen for another thousand years. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but I think there's going to certainly be something which you've got to have that moment. You can't introduce uh, human Janeway as opposed to hologram Janeway without having her meet them. Yeah, yeah, it, just, it would oh, be a bad story. The, oh, you've got to have them talking to each other. But they can yeah. do That's that. To they can hologram Janeway can transfer a matrix over like the Doctor did, yeah. and yeah, we can we can get around that. We can do. And, that. and I do love the idea of Elliot's again. I'm going to signpost this. I just love the idea that um, like a hologram Janeway is in defence from what she's learned from them, and then Admiral Janeway with her more seasoned approach is kind of arguing against why these guys should be out there doing it. That's got to be a scene. It's just going to be It'd so be great. much fun to yeah. see. So yeah, I mean. That's that's pretty much what I've got on this one. Have we got any sort of closing comments on this one before we move on to basics? Just say it's been a really good it's been a great, first season, half yeah. season, however you want to look at it. It's been really strong. It's had a it's had a definite story arc. Yeah. And apart from the last two episodes, which was a proper full two parter, like the first two episodes were a full two part, proper two parter. You can literally go back and watch any one of these on the own. Yeah. Even yeah. though there's a, a continuous story arc. Yeah. I'd also throw in there as well that uh, for me, I, I, it's a bit like general, not specific to this episode, but I love that uh, Prometheus, Prometheus um, Prodigy has gone back to the classic kind of credit sequence. So you've got, like, yeah, you have got the stars making their faces and stuff. That's fine. But you've got a ship going through space. Yeah, it's yeah. adventurous. The theme tune gets you in the mood. It gets you in a real adventurous kind of spirit. Yeah. Forget your bloody sketchbooks in Discovery. I'm sorry, that one always pisses me off because it ruins the sense of adventure. It's not adventurous to show sketches of the ship. No, it's a bit no. too artifacty, isn't it? And the Picard one would probably be okay if it's the okay. theme tune was in any way memorable, but it yeah. isn't. I couldn't... It's it's a theme tune loosely based on Inner Light, so you don't have to pay rights to someone. Ish, and, ish. and the credits just don't get nah, me excited. Just nothing. This gets me excited. Like, it's an animation, and it gets me more excited than these kind of... Yeah, uh, no, it's great. Shows, but right from the get-go. Strange New Worlds, these credits are going to be... Yeah, they're going to be Yeah, they're going to be amazing. That's all I'm saying. Because I was watching DS9, and even that, I thought, that's a stationary kind of, like... It's, uh, space station and still like because they've got the shot craft or later on the, the yeah, um, uh, Defiant whooshing around and you show it kind of they, they show a panoramic view of it it still gets you set up for adventure yeah once they got to season four and judged up the music and put all the extra stuff it was really good mm. okay so yeah that's Prodigy for now then we'll be covering the second half of season one slash season two whatever it's called when it, <laughs> when it comes round uh, but let's finish off basics then so season three premiere of Voyager season three basics part two last time we saw our heroes they were marooned on a volcanic slash arid planet with dinosaurs and cavemen and yeah, um, Tom Paris had been blown up in the shawl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the Doctor was still on board. <laughs> and being in space. And, and Mr. Souter was still on the Voyager. Yeah. And, yeah, we pick it up. Now, this 
Going back to uh, Prodigy briefly, I'm not bothered if they don't find Chicote. And <laughs> straight away, we get reasons why. Like, the first thing he says in this one is he comes over and he goes, don't sweat, perspiring wastes water. Like, piss off, Chicote. Oh, God, that was so dumb. And, and also, like, they've already set us up with the dumbest of premises. I'm sorry, but look, I know, okay, I get it. It's, it's, he thinks it's his kid. I mean, they may as well have just you know, going, oh, no, please come and save me and my baby. This is obviously a trap. Like, he may Not as well yet. just... I mean, to be fair, he does so say that he thinks it's a trap. I mean, oh, as... No. Yeah. I, I mean, I went on a bit of a rant last week, and, and I stand by it. It Chakotay's, um attitude to parenting, or what we see of it in this, is just shocking. Like, the first thing he says is, well, we don't even. Uh, I'm not sure I will accept that child as my child. Uh, no, and he's just trying to get out of it all the way through. He's, oh, he's horrible. Yeah. Anyway, um, so yes, yeah, so he's de- dishing out a lot of wisdom in here, and um, we'll get to some questionable dialogue that he has later on. But um, a yellow shirt gets dinosaur straight away. So yeah. the, the threat of and the dinosaur way, is amped up. Can, can we add to that? Neelix goes, oh, I feel like some way it's my fault. No, it's definitely your fault. You literally yeah. goes, no, you pick up those bones. Like, yo, you're I, the hot shit. Like, have these, the bones, bones, have these bones been placed in front of this cave mouth yeah. as some sort of warning? Yes, possibly. Pick them up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you choose... Yeah, bitch. Like, I mean, Jesus Christ, Neelix. Like, who do you think you are? Just pick up the bones yourself. Like, at least help him out. At least, hey, look, let's pick up these bones together. Also, like, in the last episode, it's like, we're going to break down into six teams. You will all be team leaders. Neelix? Really? Like, well, he's he's meant to be their, their, the, their man in Havana. Their morale, the, Delta the morale officer. Yeah, and he has slash. been a scavenger and used to surviving on his own, yeah. so... Yep. Yeah, just we know how crappy it is. And the way he survived <laughs> to be on fair, his own. It's probably the best one out of this crew in, in this situation. Well, I think... It's definitely better than the Red Indian. Well... I mean, I have to, I have to say, like, I really like the guy who plays Neelix, um, Ethan... Uh, Ethan Phillips is great, yeah. Ethan Phillips. And the character could have been really great. It was just so miswritten and pound shoes and... At times, it ends. The like... problem with Neelix is Neelix has really good episodes, mm. and then he has episodes where there's ob- there was obviously different writers for Neelix, and ones yeah. that wanted to take him serious in his skills, mm-hmm. and then others that saw how he looked and thought, "Oh, let's just make him a clown this week." Yeah, like yeah, and right, that's right, the right. problem. Neelix was badly written at times. Yeah. Yes. There are yeah. episodes where Neelix gets to do something serious and does a really good job with it, and. As you say, Squee, it's absolutely not Ethan Phillips's fault whatsoever. It's yeah. just, um, yeah, he does get bad. It's not like there wasn't times. a good character in there. It just it was no. missing for so. He is a good character in there because we saw the good character on a number of occasions. Yeah. That's the that's the really annoying thing about the character Neelix, and I think it's why he's such a derivative character that people are almost marmite with him. Yeah, and it's because of that. And. Janeway then, um, so how long have they been there here? Like less than a day? And Janeway's, oh, going, day. Jan- Janeway's going, right, I'm going to order you all to eat worms. Like, okay, I, <laughs> bugs. I, bugs I, I get what you're trying to do, Janeway. You've got to keep the crew alive, but we're not starving yep. yet. 
If but she got... didn't eat one herself. No, she didn't. She give, she passed them on and went, eat these, it's the captain's orders. Yeah. Well, lead by example and eat one. Well, as I say, like, you've only been there a day or so. If people aren't at the stage yet where they want to eat the bugs, just let them get a little bit hungrier. It'll be fine. Yeah. I, I think she it, jumps to the... Week. Yeah, I think she the jumps num- to the ordering you to eat bugs pretty quickly. But anyway... Uh, there's a really good bit where Seska has a chat with the Doctor, and I love how Seska's basically grilling him as, um, are you programmed to lie? Because she's trying to work out if he's lying to her. But the Doctor takes that as, oh, I can lie to people if you want me to. That's, is that what you wanted me to do? I just love the the banter between them. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, just, again, like, I'm, sorry, I know I'm slightly pulling back to part one but to go into part two oh, but like yeah. i love the idea just the easy conceit there is just have him switch his program off to turn back on in 12 hours or whatever yeah, it is that was really good and then he's perfectly set up for this part yeah so he's you know they, he doesn't give ga- the game away lovely bro well, that's what they did really well with this is they they actually left themselves ways of resolving the cliffhanger which well, star trek we, doesn't this always is what do we said last last week these were actually filmed back-to-back episodes, even though it's the season finale and the season premiere. Mm. They were filmed together at the same time. And it does show doing two-parts like that rather than Best of Both Worlds, where you build to, I still maintain, is the greatest cliffhanger ever. Yeah, it's probably but, one of the greatest cliffhanger episodes of all time is Best of Both Worlds. But then but you part don't... two didn't live up to no, it. because they had no idea what they were doing. But anyway... Um, Another good line from the doctor. I'm a doctor, not a counterinsurgent. <laughs> and he references like Che Guevara and things like that. Great stuff. And Suda, like, we didn't really talk about him last week. Like, <sighs> Brad Dourif is such a good actor. Like, and I remember um, he's in a first season episode of The X Files, uh, Beyond the Sea, which, if you've not seen it, is a classic episode of The X Files. But. Uh, I saw like a behind-the-scenes documentary on that, and they made a point of saying he's really expensive. Like for a TV budget to get Brad Dourif as a guest star is not a cheap actor to get, and it just shows the disparity between the X Files, which did become massive, but the budget the X Files was working on in season one, we can get this guy for one episode. Whereas Voyager's like, yeah, we can afford him as a recurring character. It's fine. I, I, I love the setup of this as well. It was just there the, was, the again, though, sorry like, to rent, refer back to, see, to episode one, but just quickly, it was just the that moment where you had him with Janeway and he just has that flash of anger. Yeah. That thing which keeps you in part two guessing, about, like, mm-hmm. is he going to stick, stick on straight and narrow? You kind of like, you know, he's kind of narratively probably got to, but he performs it so well that it does make you question. He's still got that evil inside him. He's he's battling it. It's not gone because of what uh, Chico, uh World War II book's done. Mm. It's just suppressed and it's still a work in progress. It just I was oh. off to say with how we've got him as a recurring character here though, you do get a lot of actors work on Star Trek for less than what they normally do because yes, they actually true. want to be on Star Trek. Oh yeah because absolutely. of the culture. And yep. also Star Trek had a healthy budget at the time compared to season one of the X-Files. But, but yeah, the, you're absolutely right. The, there is a, a degree of prestige in being in Star Trek. And if you're yeah. a Trekkie, which a lot of actors are, it's, you just, yeah, you jump at it. Um, and then, Elliot, you've already made reference to this. 
Chakotay's line, the only Indian in the universe who can't start a fire by rubbing <laughs> two sticks together. And my word, like, you could not have dialogue like this in, in TV shocking. now. You shouldn't have had it back then. I mean, you can pick it apart. First of all, shouldn't be referring to yourself as an Indian. And should, <laughs> shall we play up stereotypes rubbing two sticks together? Like, yeah. it just, oh, dear. And the fact that it's delivered by a Latino actor who's pretending to be Native American in the first place, just... And that peace pipe he was smoking while he was doing it, it was all well, that, wrong. That's <laughs> it, you know, that he did his war dance afterwards. It's just so bad. Um, but I, I won't harp on about it because we, we've we done the whole Chakotay and why he's such a bad representation of Native Americans, but... We've done that, it time and time that again. That is a particularly... We don't want to send up a smoke signal on it. <laughs> no, no, indeed. <laughs> that is a particularly egregious example of it, I think, uh, that bit of dialogue. Um, but, luckily, Janeway's there to lend a hair to the problem, so... Well, he remembers something his father once taught him. Now, why couldn't he have been... I remember something my spirit animal once taught me. <laughs> It makes you wonder, actually, because, okay, so his father once told him this. Two ways this could have happened. Either someone has donated their hair, or his father's been out and scalped someone and gone, I'll show you how to make a fire. (laughs) So, I don't know. I don't know. But we'll leave that to everybody's imagination. Um, An interesting idea, though. You get that shot of the cave person seeing them making the fire, and that's one of these, ooh, have they just broken the Prime Directive because they've potentially introduced the ability to make fire to a, not only a pre-warp civilization but a very primitive civilization. I mean, um, the whole episode is really... The, the one thing which I do think is clever is like the whole idea that these guys go through uh, space visiting new planets all the time, but they're so reliant on their technology. Yeah. How good are you when you're just you on this planet with nothing that, else? I'm sure that, like, the military today go on all sorts of survival exercises with, with very limited equipment, if not no equipment. And I'm sure somewhere like Starfleet Academy that trains these people would probably have these sort of training exercises. You think they'd have, like, Bear grills or someone going and yeah. them a little bit. Yeah, yeah it's it, it, like, to me, because this is after the Borg have attacked as well when Starfleet is becoming more militaristic again. Mm. But do so you wonder, they would have these survival things. Do you wonder if they've got a bit lazy? Maybe Starfleet as a whole have got lazy with technology. You well, know, as well, opposed to going been, to hand-to-hand, they're going to say, right, what more technology can we throw at it? Maybe they've well, this has been said part. about um, the next gen, and you can see it in the next gen. First few seasons, and Picard makes a big deal that they're not military. The explorers, the... Bettering themselves. Oh, excellent. Yeah, in Kirk's day, which sort of, let's say 100 years earlier, they were militaristic and all that because they had the war with the Klingons, they had mm. the war with the Romulans, and Starfleet had got lazy up until the encounter with the Borg. But then you have, so with DS9, they'd started making military shit. Like, that's what the Defiant was. You had the Akira class came out, mm. the military. Voyage is designed in a different way. 
So when Voyager, when Voyager is designed, where are we in? So I'm just trying to remember where we are in uh, DS9 at this point. Season, when it first launches. Uh, two, season, begin season three. Yeah. Okay. So, so then it's only then that Cisco's going off to get the Defiance. Yeah, the so Dominion it's arguable they were just yeah, at the, the right sweet spot it, before the Dominion threat. Of, no, but you've had the Borg threat while they were becoming militaristic uh, again. Voyages. But you haven't really seen... You haven't really seen that kind of taking on because they even talk about like uh, it, when they first bring them to find. I've watched it recently. They say, "Oh, they designed these to combat the Borg, but because as they saw them as less of an immediate threat, they kind of calmed down from that." So I think this is why Voyager kind of gets away with being more of an adventuring. Yeah, Voyager's uh, emphatically a science vessel, but but I do take the point that they would have. But they were going on. They were skills. essentially on the first mission, going on the military mission yeah, to yeah. capture the marquee. No, that's true. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, you would think. I mean, and they do manage. Maybe it's one of them where, like in a in an office, you have your one person who's trained trained in first aid or whatever. Janeway's obviously the only one who's been trained on survival because she's the one who's going right. Eat the bugs. Cut me hair off. You know, so maybe that's it. The captain's got all the training. She's like, right, I'm going to tell you all how it's done. And, you know, Tuvok shows that he's Andy with a bow and arrow and stuff, and Chakotay gets pissy because he's not again. Actually, I, 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 this does slightly unravel something from the beginning of uh, Voyager as well. So if they're meant to be like this, the crew which is set up to uh, go after the Marquis, and they're sent out to do that, okay, I get having a new ship. Why put a brand new crew, like, with some really unexperienced new people on it if they're going after a mission which has got to be, like, so military to get the market? Yeah. Anyway, sorry, that's just raised another point for me. But Not a plot hole in Voyager. I mean, come on. <laughs> you are very nasty about Voyager. I don't mind that. Voyager doesn't have plot holes. It is all in good fun. I love Voyager. I'm just letting you know, Nicola is watching this one. She said she's going to tune in. She's in the other room with the dog, so that's why she isn't doing it. Well, she isn't saying anything. <laughs> I'm probably in disgust, that's why. <laughs> Look, He's a big Voyager fan. No, so am I. I'm building Voyager. I, I do. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm a big fan of Voyager. I just like to poke fun a little bit here and there. Um, but yes, anyway. Okay, but Nicola can poke me back. She's here. Well, yeah, that's, that's your problem, mate. You're yeah, thanks to Johnny. She'll have a long time to wait till she can poke us back. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Excuse uh, me, what's she been doing with you? <laughs> Um, uh, Suda and the Doctor stuff's really good like this idea sort of what you were talking about earlier Squee like that he realises he's going to have to kill someone in this scenario and it, it's almost like I mean it's sort of an addiction med- metaphor isn't it that he's he's gone cold turkey effectively and he, he's yeah. more or less kicked this habit but somebody's dangling a drug in front of him now yeah. and and it's yeah. not that he can just say no. He has to do it in this situation. So it, it's awful for him, really. You know, what, what a horrible you way You even get the first to... moment where the doctor realises that he's free and he's about to, he's asking him for help. Then he kind of has this moment where he goes, oh, I see, you're free now. You're going to like to... He automatically thinks the worst of him. And he's, yeah. he's the doctor. Like, he's a doctor. He should have some psychological training and he's thinking the worst of him. Which is kind of understandable in circumstances, well, but I think a lot of it's because, like, a lot of his healing's been through Tuvok with his mind meld, mm-hmm. and it still looked at a lot of it being mis- mystical almost. What the Vulcans doing? Yeah. 
the doctor's yeah. skeptical about the doctor's still skeptical about a lot of it. Like hearing talking about mind melds and well, certainly what a, like what a stupid thing that is. Yeah, like certainly in Kirk's time, they they had no understanding of how the mind meld works, and we know there is one of the things that the Vulcans keep most secret. So. Yeah, it probably it's probably a frustration for doctors that there is this thing that they just don't have that understanding of, you know. So yeah, which is quite. Um, I don't know if it's satisfying in a way that even in the fu- this future with all the technology, there's still mysteries that the best doctors in the world can't understand. Yeah, and- we still don't understand yep. the brain fully and we certainly don't understand the Vulcan brain fully. So, yeah. The Vulcans probably have got brain maps of every species going, but they just don't want to <laughs> share it with everyone, you know. <laughs> right, not having that. Um, and then, you know, this pays off with Suda where he does kill a Kazon and he's visibly traumatised from it. Yeah, yeah. This is one of the realest moments, um, possibly in Voyager altogether. Like, you yeah. know, that's a real kind of genuine moment where you feel for him. He's, he is this brutal killer, but he's trying to not be. Mm. Yeah. And then he has he's to He's trying be. to be better. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's really, really good. It was such a great character with Sue. I, I, yeah, I love the idea that it's, it's very easy to believe in stuff, the ideals, when you're talking about someone who always wanted to do good and it's always mm. been on the true path. Maybe he's gone off the rails a little bit, but he's always really been tending towards good. Like, you know, Paris, he fell off the wagon a bit, but he, he, he was always generally on the spot. Yeah. What about someone who's a killer who's turned around? How yeah. do you feel about that? That's a really good challenge for our Star Trek and Starfleet kind of uh, morals on this. Yeah. Yeah, he's a, he, I mean, obviously, this is his last episode, but it is a real shame because the, he could have been the Garak of Voyager. You know, there's mm. a similar sort of type of actor in terms of the background. You know, you've got Andrew Robinson who's done... He, he's done horror films and he's done villain roles and, he's, and Brad Dourif's done the same and... It, yeah, it, and they get this really juicy character to work with in Star Trek. So, yeah, it's oh, all... Do you, do you know, watching back, sorry, it's a slight tangent, but watching back Deep Space Nine, as I said before, some things you remember more fondly than others, and you're surprised sometimes watching it back. No character really is exactly how you remember it when you when it's been a while since you watched it. Garrick is exactly what I remember. Yeah. And he's exactly <laughs> that good still. Yeah, he's amazing. Yeah. Brilliant. So good. And you're right, Suta could have so easily been this. Yeah. Uh, the actor, the acting was superb. The whole idea that he's a murderer, and you never know which way he's going to mm. go. It's just yeah, so like, well played in this. Well, we, look, we have the end of three story arcs, don't we? Yeah. In this episode. And I think the one that most annoyed about, and I wonder if it's they literally didn't know where to go with it, with Suta, what to do with him if they kept him in. Maybe, or... Again, I do I do wonder if it goes back to this, you know, Brad Dourif's not cheap as TV guest actors go. He's, yeah. you know, he's never out of work. He's always quite busy. In fact, he was probably going off to do Lord of the Rings not too long after this was going, you know, yeah. so... You know, I'd also kind of believe, if I'm honest, that, that they... I think Voyager was always based on the idea that Deep Space Nine is the kind of like uh, uh, ugly stepchild. Like, so it would do something different from what Star Trek traditionally does. It would go on a war footing. 
Voyager, in contrast, was always seen as going towards peace and like traditional yeah. Star Trek values. And I think they weren't ready to introduce this character, but I think it would have made it a lot more I interesting. I think it could have been quite... really interesting. Yeah, yeah. like it, it's quite bizarre, isn't it, when you, you think Voyager came after DS9 and DS9 did all the story arc thing and it's now, I think, arguably the most loved of all of the Star Trek series we've had. And I think, though, that was intentional because, you know, but, Deep Space Nine... But then time, Voyager has just gone back to the old format of episode per week, episode and, of the week. And I think and that was Little story-like story arcs, but not the, huge story arcs. Voyager was very much a replacement for TNG, which yeah. had just finished, you know, and it, it was positioned as such and developed as such. Um, but, yeah, either way, sad to see Suda go, but he does get to go off in a... A heroic way and you get the brilliant thing where the doctor's been totally deactivated but he's left a message for Suda and it's like you know it's all on you but we know you can I know you can do it sort of thing and that's great uh, however back on the planet it just goes from bad to worse like we've got Kez getting kidnapped Chakotay tries to go and do a negotiation which quickly breaks down and ends up in a bow and arrow fight and chucking spears at each other and let's go hide in the cave that we know where the dinosaurs live and a blue shirt gets eaten by a dinosaur then a bloody volcano goes off you know it's just also in, in the story where you've already got some very um uncomfortable stereotypes about native americans you've literally got spear chuckers this is yeah. not ideal <laughs> no no I, I did try deliberately to avoid using that phrase but thank you for i'm just saying it literally happens look it's not your fault it's not my fault it's what happens no, in the episode. They've it, got it chuck spear. they are literally spear chuckers i'm not doing any stereotypes about any people no. i'm just saying but yes it, it's we unfortunate do, we do do that and yeah it does all just go but you know what it's it goes back to Chekhov's gun, not not Pavel Chekhov, Chekhov the playwright. You know where if you introduce something early in the story, you have to pay it off later on. And we introduce the cave people, we introduce the dinosaurs, we introduce the volcano, and we pay all of them off. So yeah. at least yeah. we're doing that. We're not mucking about. Um, bit which really troubles me is just the ending. It just did. It, I love the fact, like again, they've got this wonderful stuff with Sita on the ship and him kind of like foiling the Kazons. But it's like, oh, and Paris was alive. Yes, we knew that. Oh, and he's brought back all the kind of friends. Yeah, we knew that was going to happen. It just seemed very by numbers. Yeah, the Talaxians are here to save the day, but it's literally like last minute. So you do, you do. Yeah, we've got five minutes to wrap up the episode. And, like, I think they thought of this at the end. They're going, all right, let's back write this into it that yeah, um, we, Paris goes off in the ship to get these guys. Yeah, we sent Paris off. We've got to bring him back in. Yeah, we've got to We did mention the Talaxians right in the beginning of the first mm. episode. So the Talaxians have always been there. Oh, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying the whole idea that he goes off, oh, we think he said, oh, he's not. It, it, it's. It's well, too predictable, I think. It wasn't. This is the this is the um, cargoes of the cliff moments with Tom <laughs> Paris. His yeah. shuttle got blown up, but it didn't. The phaser actually missed it, and it was an explosion just in space. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, and again, it's just as predictable. You know that the uh, he's one of the main cast. Even back then, you would have heard about it in advance. Yeah, that was, we're, uh, we're not going to kill Tom Paris in such a... I was going to say in such a lame way, but... 
what's the kind of evil kind of way? But, but yeah, That's when we kill do. main characters in Star Trek, it is, <coughs> it is in a fairly offhand, lame way. So, yeah. Mm, actually, yeah, no, you say it. Okay, you, you, you've you won me. But, I but no, I, I wasn't fooled. I fully expected No, no this back, is but... our... Uh, we, we talked about cliffhangers a lot last week, didn't mm. we? And this is the cliffhanger part is Tom Paris was blown up and this goes right back to 1940s style. His shuttle was blown up in the first end of the first episode, but in the second episode, the phaser missed it. Yeah, true. Yeah, I, th- I think there's also that thing of, like you were saying about when you introduce a gun, you better see that gun being shot later on. I, I think it's the same thing. If you've got Tom Paris being blown up, actually, I don't know if this is the same thing, but anyway... You would usually have an establishing shot of his reaction just before it blows up. So, like in in Skin of Evil, even as lame a death as that was for Tasha Yar, you see her reacting to her dying. You see her dying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just seeing, even seeing a ship blown up. I believe there was a small escape pod which was within the shuttlecraft or something. Well, you know, the the, wasn't unless you see him die. I'm just saying, unless you see him die, I don't believe it. No, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean that it, it does all wrap up pretty rapidly once we get here. We do get this little subplot with one of the cave peoples trapped by lava, but Chakotay saves them and then in turn the cave people look after Naomi Wildman's baby. Oh, Ensign's Naomi's the baby, isn't she? Ensign's Naomi a leaf to save her. So, so yeah, they're doing a little bit there, like, oh, it's showing that they can make peace with people even if there's a language barrier, but I don't know. It's Maybe it's a case of because we're doing so many different threads, not all of them land in quite the same way. I not, think. Yeah. I think the most successful thing is the pseudo doctor stuff in this episode. Oh, without and a doubt, that's the best part of the, the episode. Re- the rest of it doesn't land like Seska's death. I don't think lands in an enormous way. And no, I so like we have the explosion. Of, what suit was done with in engineering? He short circuited the ship basically. Yeah, and. And Seska's basically killed in that explosion. Yeah. And Seska has been the, the first big recurring villain in Voyager, you know, since, yeah. since what, about a quarter of the way into season one, we found out what Seska was. And her and the Kazon Nistrum have been repeated villains ever since. And this is this is where they bow out, though. I'd remembered there being a lot more finality to this, but they do leave the door open for Colour and the baby to potentially yeah, yeah. come back. That's left open because they just, they just leave. But look, this is the end of the Kazon, the end of um, Suter, the end of Seska. Yeah. Done and dusted. Which I think yeah. the, the show absolutely needed to do. We needed to move it on from the It needed to get rid of the Kazon. Yeah, we needed to move on from Seska and, and Colour and, and all Seska of was that. a I like Seska as a character. I, I did. He's a great, great villain. But they'd back themselves into a corner of tying her in with the Kazon. That was it. And it like, and how do you get rid of the Kazon without getting rid of Seska? And, it, and I don't think you could do that by... And I do love the, the ways in which they managed to bring Seska back. Like, they, they were very imaginative with that. Oh, yeah, later in the show, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, there's a brilliant episode, isn't there, where it's the, the holodeck programme that Tuvox made... Where the Maquis yeah. take over the ship, and that is a wonderful then, episode. Oh, one of my favourites is when they've got the ship in different time zones. I thought that was a really imaginative way yeah. of doing time travel yeah. without really time travel. It's just the ships out of phase in different 
time streams. Yeah, yeah no, funny. there's some great stuff, but but yeah, we we did. It was because it was just testing the believability of it so much that well, we keep running into the same case on every time. Like they must just be going hell for leather to get ahead of you every time, so that when you bump into them, they've yeah, already this, been there doing nefarious like, things. You know, like I know it took them a long time to wear Voyager down in that. But when they finally come across like three of the big capital ships and all that, which she seems to have loads of these capital ships, they they easily outgun Voyager. Mm-hmm. That's so the thing. Yeah. Where is this? Like, what technology was he off after from Voyager? The replicators and the transporters, because yeah. they're obviously faster. Got more firepower. You've got, I guess, it's all the. Um information from Voyager and plus like it's a nippy little ship like there's a, a quite big ship that like Voyager's selling point I always thought was it can travel mm. stealthily through well space. that was always the well that was part of the thing with when they went after the marquee because it was maneuverable yeah in so tight I think, quarters yeah it was I think that was that the way. degree and also when you get the the you get Voyager you get the database from the Federation so that gives you lots of information on yeah, there's plenty of reasons to steal Voyager, but um, anyway, that's the last yeah, one. But to make you. it to your uh, life work when they obviously keep beating you to keep yeah. going after them. Hey, sort of. didn't stop the Borg. The, they kept beating the Borg, and the Borg kept coming back. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so the, this does wrap up the case on, and typically of, well, not just of Voyager, but ty- typically of Voyager and typical of next gen any episodic tv we're back to business as usual by the end of the episode we're back on the bridge yeah. set a course for the alpha quadrant done and dusted let's put that behind us off we go yeah we've we've repaired the ship and that's a good start to a season like right okay we've wrapped up all the loose ends from the cliffhanger what's next week's adventure going to be and that's exactly what if you're not going full serialized like DS9 did, that's exactly what your season premiere needs to See, do is wrap up this the is where Voyager, This is the big problem Voyager had where Voyager should have had these ongoing problems. Yeah. We, we've literally shorted out the ship to be able to get it back. I mean, it's a great idea, Let's but I, I think it was... And... I don't think TV was ready for it then. It's like No, it, it wasn't. It just wasn't like it was Deep, Deep Space Nine was one of the... Um, Deep Space Nine was ahead of its time. Yeah, exactly. It was one of the first ones to do that in that way, uh, the serialized. And I think the the contrasting viewers and ratings between DS9 and Voyager showed that the Star Trek fandom wasn't ready for it just yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They wanted to watch TNG and Voyager more than they wanted to watch DS9 at the time, which is absolutely fair. Um, but as you said earlier on, Elliot... Uh, DS9, I think, has been reassessed historically and is now held in certainly much higher yeah, regard it, than Voyager, I would say, perhaps not quite more than TNG. I, I think TNG I think a has a place in, pe- in people's hearts because it was the first one that brought it back, yeah, brought Star so. Trek back to our screens on the on the TV screen. And it's, I've also got an argument myself that TNG at its best, for, for me, okay, I'll just say that, for me, is better than Deep Space Nine when TNG's at its best, but I think Deep Space Nine was at its best more often. I think yeah. that's probably fair, the, yeah. Yeah, the problem, the thing is, TNG at its best was up there. DS9 at its best is probably there. 
but TNG at its worst was way <laughs> yeah. down yes. there. Yes. And DS9 probably was about there at its worst. Yeah. So you you have this. Yeah. TNG did some stinkers. Yeah, DS9 yeah. did a couple. But anyway. Yeah. Um, didn't have anybody fall in love with a candle in DS9. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Very true. Very true. <laughs> anyway, I think that about does us then for Basics Part 2. So... We will be back next week. We're back to live-action Star Trek Discovery, mid-season premiere. Um, I've forgotten what it's called. All In, I think it's called. All In. Yeah, so maybe a bit of a... a I'm hoping for a pick-up in the second half of the series. I I must admit, this this first half series lost me a little bit. The idea of the anomaly seemed a little too similar to the burn to me thematically. See, I think, I mean, we'll, you know, we'll we'll no doubt touch on it when we're, we're back on it, but I do think season four of Discovery has been incredibly consistent. Like, I don't think it's hit the, its highest highs, but I do think it's felt more of a coherent, consistent story. But anyway, you'll have to come back and talk to us about Discovery, Dr. Squee, once we get stuck back into them, because I would love to get you full give you some full time yeah. to give us your take on it so far and see where it winds up. Um, but if you want to get in touch with us in the meantime, we're at RetrekPod on Twitter. You can email us, RetrekPod at gmail.com. Unless you're trying to sell us things to get our website, which we don't have a website, get it, get yeah. it higher hit. We don't go to become firemen at our age. No, we don't want to be firemen in America. <laughs> so... If you we love getting emails from you, but if you're the people sending them, please stop it. However, um, if you're a Nigerian prince, we're in. We're in. Yeah, we're absolutely <laughs> up for that. Uh, Dr. Squee, where can they find you? Oh, well, um, yeah, I, I can be found on SW20 Radio, the new sound of South Wales, based in Southampton as I am. It's a long story. Anyway, uh, the Dr. Squee show this uh, Tuesday at six o'clock, we've got a Valentine's special the day after Valentine's Day. But look, it's the day I go out, Okay. Uh, and yeah, we got Cheryl Baker. Um, is the day just look up Dr. Squee everywhere. We're out there. And so. and Cheryl Baker was lovely. I actually interviewed her before this tonight. Can be more lovely. You're, you're going to love that interview. So, you know, you may act as if you don't care less, but if you want to see some more, Google Dr. Squee. That was their song, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. That was the one. And she talks about that moment when they whip the scout off and how she's had to adapt her whole wardrobe now anyway that's iconic iconic so yeah if you want to hear that full interview check out dr squee and um thanks for trekking with us this time and we'll see you next time on the retrek